Hello, you are listening to episode two of Scotland's Coefficient Podcast. Thank you very much for lending me your ears. What is on the agenda in this episode? Well, we're going to take a look at the coefficient table as it stands following last week's European action. We'll take a look at the Europa League draw, which has been made. We'll also have a look at the Champions League draw, what that could mean for Scotland's club. We've got an interview with Gordon from the Hearts Review, where we chat about Hearts prospects in Europe next season should they manage to get there and I might have a little discussion about the league split in the Scottish Premiership mentioned it on Twitter the other day got quite a reaction so we'll take a little chat about whether it's a good thing whether it's a bad thing and how it could change in future all that to come on the episode stick around thanks for tuning in Okay, first up, let's take a look at the coefficient table as it stands following last week's European action across the various competitions. You might have seen this already on Twitter. There is a thread there if you want to go and check that out as you listen to the podcast. Of course, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Scotland's Co F1, Scotland's Co E F F1. So, with the results and the points being allocated, as things stand at the moment, the good news and the fantastic news that I want to open up with is that ninth place in this season's coefficient table for Scotland has been secured. We can now not be caught by any other nation. Equally, we can't catch Austria, who are up in eighth, but that means ninth place is guaranteed for this season. The table itself kind of looks like this. In seventh, and I'll, I mentioned seventh here just to illustrate for you if you're listening, the gap that we have if we as a nation want to seriously consider moving up the coefficient table and starting to look at gaining extra European sports or even, God forbid, two direct Champions League group stage spots. But up in seventh place is the Netherlands. They are on 47.5 points and they've got two teams currently left still in Europe. In eighth, as I mentioned already, it's Austria. They're on 38.85 points. Uh, all of their teams have now been eliminated, so they cannot gain any more points this season. In ninth, it's ourselves. We are on 35.5 coefficient points, with Rangers remaining in the last eight, the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Down in 10th, we have got Russia. Obviously, we know the script with Russia and their teams banned from European competition as things stand. So they are fixed on 34.482 points. And in 11th place, it's Serbia. They are now fixed in 11th spot. They can't go any higher due to the fact that both Red Star and Partizan were eliminated. They're on 33.375 points. As I've mentioned, we can't move any higher than ninth this season. Obviously, any points Rangers now gain will help cut into that gap between us and Austria, but we're not going to be able to overtake them this season. What is important, though, just to point out, and again, the Twitter thread mentions this, any points that Rangers gain in the remaining European season, remember 0.4 points for a win, 0.2 points for a draw, there's obviously bonus points as well for progressing through to the semi-finals and also the final, that would be worth 0.2 points for each round that Rangers make it through. Any points that Rangers add on to our coefficient tally helps us for next season. 
So remember, the coefficient is a rolling five-year tally. That number that I've given you there, the 35.5, that is a combination of five seasons. So when next season starts, 2022-23, we will lose points from our 17-18 season. Those points will drop off and obviously we'll start next season with zero points because not a ball's been kicked. So us gaining points or Rangers gaining points now means that we have more points to start next season with. And the fact that Austrian teams are now out means that's a really big incentive because Austria will start next season below us because they lose a good chunk of points from their 17-18 season, whereas we only lose four points, so we've got a benefit there. So to basically to that end... The points that Rangers can gain, if they are able to do so in the remaining section of the Europa League, just stand us in really good stead starting next season because we'll be able to build the gap between us and Austria. Just to pull on that a little bit more, as I say, we start next season in 8th spot above Austria. We start on 31.5 points. Austria start on 29.1 points. So... Us gaining those extra points now just widens that gap. Up in 7th place next season is Portugal. So Rangers, if they were to beat Braga, again, any points gained helps us cut into that gap between Scotland and Portugal. Now that gap is massive. 11.716 points between Scotland in 8th place at the start of next season and Portugal in 7th place at the start of next season. So really... Just to wind up on our kind of update on the coefficient table, really for next season, the opportunity and the, 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 the gain, the aim has to be consolidation of where we are. You know, gaining, moving up the way when we look at the gap between Scotland and Portugal, it's it's quite tough. So, you know, we need to recognise that and I guess recognise where we are at the moment. So that is an update on the coefficient table as it stands. I mentioned the Europa League draw and I've mentioned there already. As I'm sure everyone is well aware, Rangers will face Braga in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. And... If Rangers were to progress through that tie, they know that they would face either Leipzig or Atalanta in the semi-finals of the Europa League. Now, just focusing on the quarter-final tie at the moment, Rangers-Braga, it's a very recent tie, of course, 1920 season. Rangers versus Braga was the Europa League last 32. Rangers, of course, progressing through that tie. Quite an incredible comeback, if you remember. So Rangers, as a team, I don't think have anything to fear from Braga as it stands at the moment. Braga currently sitting fourth in the Portuguese top flight. You know, they're a team of good stature, certainly, and obviously they dispatched Monaco to make it through to this stage. So nobody should be writing this tie off as an easy win for Rangers. But it's of the teams that you could have I think it's the best possible tie that Rangers could have hoped for. Now, the same must be said for Braga. I think I saw somewhere on Twitter looking at all the respective budgets of the last eight teams in the Europa League. And Rangers and Braga's budgets are roughly similar, but a long shot off of the remaining six teams. There's quite a gap there. So Braga certainly themselves will be looking at Rangers as the best tie that they could have got. Though obviously that last time they played, it was a tight 
game all round, a tight tie all round. So, you know, Braga will hope that they could reverse, sorry, the result of that last tie and go through themselves. Just touching on that semi-final draw, Atalanta or Leipzig lie in wait and, and those ties certainly will be tougher. But then again, as I say, Rangers can be confident. They've already dispatched Red Star, they've already dispatched Borussia Dortmund and of course in the group stages beat Lyon. So, you know, they're capable of a result. We'll obviously update that in a bit more detail once those ties got played and hopefully what I would like to do is do a wee preview of that tie on next week's podcast as well. Anyway, I spoke on episode one of the podcast about the fact that Hearts are in a fantastic position this season with being in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, knowing that their opposition, should they make it to the final, will be one of the old firm, who are obviously destined for Champions League qualification, and with Hearts sitting now 14 points clear in third place of the Scottish Premiership, with only seven games remaining, two before the split, Hearts themselves must be sitting thinking that European football next season is within their grasp. We spoke before last episode about how this season's cup winner or third place, should the cup winner be Rangers or Celtic, will go into the Europa League playoff, which if they were successful, obviously great, you make it to the Europa League, but if you lose that playoff tie, you drop automatically into the Conference League group stage spots. So with all of that said, what I wanted to do was speak to Hearts fan and get a little bit of an insight on how that could impact the club, how they might be feeling about it, and potentially what Hearts could do in Europe next season. Right, so it's time to bring in my guest on this week's podcast. It's Gordon from The Hearts Review. That's at The Hearts Review on Twitter. Of course, the podcast also, The Hearts Review, is on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Hi Gordon, how are you getting on? I'm good, Neil. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks for asking. You will be a, a happy man, I'm sure, this this weekend as we record the podcast. Things fell pretty well for Hearts over the weekend there, didn't they? Certainly did, yeah. And it's, I think we've been quite fortunate this season that, that they have tend to tend we sort of pick up a, a wee result there. And you look at other fixtures in the league, the, the results tend to go our way. You know, it's that tight from fourth down to even tenth. The, the, the points total there is it's just incredible and I don't remember a, a league ever being this tight and thankfully from our point of view we've we've managed to be the most consistent side which has meant that we could pull away from that sort of chasing pack but yeah it's, it's really fascinating and, and certainly from a Hearts point of view uh, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with the way the season's going so far yeah, um, and we're into the business end of the season here, and, and one of the reasons, Gordon, that I, I wanted to get you on this week's podcast, I spoke about a little bit about it in the very first episode of the podcast, um, and I know that you and the guys on the Hearts Review have also been touching on it as the season's been drawn to a close, and it's the position that Hearts find themselves in now with respects to next season and obviously European qualification and, and what that could mean for the club. So as you say, you, you're in a really strong position, the best of the rest if you if you if you don't mind me using that phrase third in the league and as it stands 14 points clear of fourth place which uh, is Dundee United 14 points clear the seven games remaining so if we and we often do this in Scottish football don't we we take it for granted that the gap difference yeah. between third and second can't be can't be made up I think there's a 20 point difference at the moment between Hearts and Rangers so 14 points between Hearts and Dundee United I don't want to jinx it for you or for any other Hearts fans listening, but by the same token, if we're going to put it out there that Hearts can't catch Rangers, it's got to be said that Hearts have almost got third place sewn up. Listen, I, t- I take nothing to granted when it comes to Hearts, but 
think even we would struggle to chuck this one away. I just don't see anybody putting a run together that will catch Hearts. A bit disappointed that we are 20 points off top two. Um, if you're wanting to be a little bit critical about how the seasons went, because we we've heard sort of the manager and and noises from the club how they they wanted to sort of close that gap on the top two, but of it course. is a, a pretty, a pretty sizable gap, 20 points. I mean, listen, there's still a chance for them to to maybe claw that, but given how tight it is at the top, you don't really see either half of the old firm dropping too many points. But to be 14 points clear with, with two games before the split left is is magnificent, particularly because it is a a club that have just came out of a very, very tough period. If, if you look at where they were 18 months ago to now be 14 clear and third with seven to go is a, an incredible turnaround in such a short period of time. And you've got to give everybody behind the scenes in particular a tremendous amount of credit for that. And, and you only need to look at how consistent Aberdeen were for the last 10 years. And I mean, they, they'll probably be kicking themselves more than anything because... 10 years effectively they've, they've been qualifying for Europe and not once have they had the opportunity to go into the group stages and the fact that, that it's within touching distance of ourselves is is massive for, for what it can do for the football club in years to come and I think clubs outside the old firm have been starved of European football for, for a long, long time and, and I, we, we were talking about it 18 months ago when Hearts were sitting in the Championship and I always said that this right now where we are, it's not impossible to get to. It's got to be the aim because we all knew that the way results were going for, for Rangers in particular in Europe, th- those coefficient points were, were getting better and better for us and the opportunity for a third team, and particularly because obviously UEFA were bringing in the Conference League, yeah. there was always going to be that opportunity for a Scottish club outside the old firm to get into the group stages of Europe. And for me, it always had to be the aim for Hearts. As a football club, it's exactly where they should be because... You look at teams in other countries who have qualified for the Europa League and things like that, and there's always a hint of jealousy, certainly from from my point of view, because I think European nights at Tynecastle are something the football club needs. Even though we were in the Championship 18 months ago, if we got things right, because we always had the budget to do it, if we got things right off the park, which they seem to have now done, um, we could get a team on the park that was capable of of getting third. Now, I, I didn't expect to be 14 points clear with seven games to go, but I expected Hearts to be in the mix despite coming up this season. So it's, yeah, it's absolutely massive. And, and the opportunity to to actually grasp that that group stage football, whether it's Europa League or or the Conference League, either or I think is massive for the, the revenue that comes into the football club. Because realistically, if you look at Scottish clubs' record and, and qualification for Europe, Certainly outside the old firm, it's it's been horrendous. So if Hearts, for example, weren't able to win the Scottish Cup or the old firm didn't win the Scottish Cup and we ended up having to qualify uh, for Europe via the the kind of the, the qualification games, mm-hmm. I would still I still have my worries about that because I think just the, the record of Scottish clubs in these games, um, it isn't great. And yeah, I think yeah. the, the fact that the carrot of group stage football is right there within our grasp, it, it'll be massive for us for not just next season, but I think years to come. Yeah, and I mean, a couple of things you touched on there during your, your chat, which I completely agree with. I think the jealousy part of it, from a, from a Scottish point of view, obviously, is is a big thing, because you do look at some of the teams, especially this year, obviously, the maiden Europa Conference League uh, season, and you look at some of the teams that were there, and, and that's no disrespect to those nations and those, to those teams. What I, what I don't mean is disrespect. What I mean is by comparison of the fact that some of our third clubs, some of Scotland's third clubs, be it your hearts, be it Aberdeen, be it in Pan- 
last season's Hibs, or even Kilmarnock when they went on, you know, a really good spell under Stevie Clark. You know, they they weren't of in terms of stature and in terms of style of play and in terms of ability. I don't think they were too far off some of the clubs that have made the Conference League group stages. And one thing that's really important, just uh, obviously as a Hearts fan, I'm sure you have this mathematically down to the exact moment. And uh, as a Scotland's coefficient podcast host, I, I know exactly as well. But for anyone else listening, it's really important that I guess we just clarify this. You've got third place almost wrapped up a own, which as things stand would take you into the Conference League qualifiers. But what's also in Hearts' favour is that you are in the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. The other semi-final, of course, is the old firm Rangers Celtic, meaning that if Hearts were to get through the semi-final, you're going to face one of the old firm. And as we know, whichever club that is will be going into the Champions League, which is why that group stage spot, which would come via, I guess, getting knocked out of the Europa League playoff is within your grasp. So I want to turn the attention just to the, the semi-final. And I know it's a derby game. And I know it's the Scottish Cup and anything can happen. With all of that said, I'm going to throw it over to you, Gordon. How do you feel about that tie and how do you feel about your chances of progressing to Hamden for the final? <laughs> it's, it's a tough one because part of me is like, well, you've got sort of Hibs in there, which outside the old firm is the easiest route to the final with, with the greatest respect to them. But it's a derby game. Like you say, anything can happen. I think that the first game of the season back at Tynecastle where it finished 0-0, Anybody could have won that game. I thought it was a real end-to-end tussle. Hibs were really good on their day. I thought Hearts, I mean, listen, both goalkeepers, I think, made seven or eight world-class saves each. And and it was a tremendous end-to-end game and anybody could have won it. The, the, the second one at Easter Road, I thought Hearts didn't play particularly well, but they should have actually won the game. Um, so that gives me a little bit of hope, I think, if Hearts can turn up and, and certainly play as well as they possibly can, I'd fancy them to win the game. But like you say, it's a derby game and any anything can happen. It's a semi-final. You've got to be right at it from the start. We have a couple of injuries at the moment. We're hoping that we can get sort of these key players back in time for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it will come down to whoever wants it most. And we've played Hibs a couple of times now at Hamden. Obviously, it was just back in 2020, we, we faced them in the semi-final. We went into that game. I think we had played maybe something like three or four competitive matches. Hibs have been playing since uh, August. We Our season didn't start until... October time so we were always playing catch up we were a, a, a relatively new side as well mm-hmm. and we managed to win that game 2-1 in extra time and Hibs at, the, at that time were flying in third and, and they went on to finish third that season so it just shows you that that in derby games in particular forms are relevant it's, it's got to it comes down to who wants it the most and who can go in and actually win the game I, I'd fancy yeah. Hearts to win it but at, at the same time anything can happen and I think if we were all talking about before the draw was made, you know, do, do you want hips or do you want one of the old firm? And half of you says, yeah, we'll, we'll take them on because it gives us a really good chance to get to the final. But at the same time, you could have done without it just because <laughs> of the, the magnitude of the game. And this is the thing I think it's important as well to to put across is that for Hibs, realistically, that is their best opportunity now into Europa mm-hmm. League and, and yeah. also gaining that guaranteed group stage football if you they were to fail in the Europa League playoff tie. So that, you, you talked about the carrot that's dangling there. That's exactly the same for Hibs, for their squad, for Sean Maloney. You know, I guess from your point of view, Gordon, uh, the worst case scenario would be Hibs going on to win the Scottish Cup because they'd be snatching that that carrot out from underneath your nose, really, if you like, in the strong position that you're in. So Hibs are going to be right up for the game and and... I, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm not going to make a prediction here as a as a sitting on the fence neutral, but uh, I think it's going to be a really fascinating game to see what happens. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is the worst case scenario for Hearts. And listen, like I say, we, we can only shoot ourselves in the foot here because we've worked so hard to get ourselves in a position where we're clean in third. The, the Scottish Cup has always been massive, but we were always kind of saying to ourselves, well, listen, the old firm will always be the favourites to win win the Cup. At least if they, they can win it, then third place will, will be enough. But the fact that, that we're only a game away ourselves and from the final, and we know that it will be one of the old firm we'll be facing, you beat Hibs and, and that that's it. It's effectively yeah, done. Absolutely. But they can take everything away from us. And I think that's the most terrifying part of it. If it was any other club, you'd be a little bit more relaxed about it. But the fact it's them, and it, it, it just really, really makes it, it, it kind of... It'd be the the wind, wouldn't it? It, it would be. And, and you go back to a few years ago under sort of Robbie Nielsen's first spell and when Hibs went on to win the Cup in 2016. That's, that that kind of really is why... Nielsen's not universally loved with, with, with the supporters. A lot, a lot of the fans blame him for sort of chucking that 2-0 lead with 10 minutes to go. Hibs win the replay, they go on and win the cup. And that that doesn't sit well with a lot of Hearts fans. It's it's huge for him because if he if he wins this semi-final, gets Hearts into the final, maybe even wins it, you never know. Celtic and Rangers will be coming to whoever gets into that final will be coming towards the end of a, a, a grueling campaign. They, they might just fall short themselves and you never know there could be a cup there for Hearts if he's able to get Hearts into group stage football I think all kind of previous ghosts will be laid to rest after that so it's huge for him it's huge for the football club in general but Hibs at the same time they'll be looking at it that it's almost their last chance saloon really but you, you look back at the league as well and, and from a Hibs point of view I mean they, they obviously lost at the weekend there and moved down to fifth I think from fourth but I think Aberdeen are only something like two points behind them now and if and I think Hibs played Dundee United at home and then they've got um, ourselves away at Tynecastle as their last two games in the split. I mean, it could be it could be the, the, the fact that Hibs might even be in the bottom six and might be out of the European question altogether. And the Hearts game is effectively a cup final for them as well. <clears throat> so it, there's so many scenarios leading up to it. And I think that's it's just another little part of what's been an incredibly fascinating season in, in Scotland. So listen, let's turn our attention to Hearts in Europe, because as we've spent a wee bit of time discussing, you are in that pole position to, to snatch the prize of, first and foremost, being Scotland's Europa League representative, entering at the, the playoff stage by virtue of either winning the Cup or by finishing third if Rangers or Celtic were to win the Cup. A wee bit of history for you, because I'm sure it'll make you feel good. The last time, obviously, Hearts were there, was 2012-2013 uh, following their previous Scottish Cup win. And you faced off with Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool, cruelly losing out, of course, and sorry for bringing this up, but cruelly losing out to that 88th minute or Luis Suarez goal. I think what's important and just remembering that game is what an incredibly good Liverpool team to just came up against and faced at that stage. Now, the unfortunate obviously thing there was that there was no drop drop down competition and, and that effectively ended Hearts' competition but prior to that you know, Hearts' last group stage appearance in Europe was back in the old style UEFA Cup 2004-2005 where Hearts got into the group stages there only recording one victory at that point versus Bao from Switzerland uh, was your current gaffer Robbie Nielsen with a last-minute winner there, so maybe that will uh, redeem him in some eyes. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, you spoke about this a little bit before, Gordon, about what it would mean to the fans, mean to the club. How important would it would it be to, first and foremost, the fans? So let's put the club aside to one second, and obviously finances are important, but what would it mean to the fans, especially given the turmoil, if you like, of the last 18 months at, the, at Hearts? Since we won the Cup in, in 2012, and you obviously alluded to that that trip to, to Liverpool and it, 
it still haunts me, to be honest. Even if Hearts had, had got to extra time and lost 4-1 after extra time, I could have, I, I would have been able to stomach that a lot better than than being so close to winning in 90 minutes at Anfield. It was uh, incredibly heartbreaking, but the, the scenes for the goal will, will live with me forever. And that's what European football gives you. It gives you these moments. And unfortunately, we've been starved of them for certainly... I mean, you mentioned the, the last time we were in the groups there, and I remember that as well. I wasn't uh, old enough, unfortunately, to, to go any of the away games, but I was at the games at Murrayfield against Schalke 04 and uh, Fennis Farros. We both lost those games 1-0, but uh, many people still talk about the, the Bordeaux a couple of years before that, where we won 1-0, and then obviously we went to Bale 1-2-1 over there. Um, I think we, we lost in Feyenoord, but that was against a really, really good side, and Dirk Cout and things like that were playing for them. Yeah. Yeah, Hearts have been starved of Europe and we've been close a few times. Obviously, we, we got to, I, I can't remember if it was the actual playoffs of the Champions League or if it was maybe the round before against EEK Athens and, and we lost to them, unfortunately. We're leading in, in the, the first leg at Murrayfield against them, but got a, a red card and ended up losing 2-1 and played Spurs the year before that. They absolutely destroyed us 5-0 at Tynecastle, but that was a team with Jermaine Defoe, Van der Vaart, um, all these types of players, and, and yeah. they taught us a lesson that night. But we met, we went down to London and, and got a draw. I mean, although both sides were kind of playing that week in teams because the first leg was over, but it was still a great trip. And then Liverpool as well. So, I mean, I think for our last two big trips to, to be down in England, I think we, we are due some really, really good trips. And it's been a tough 10 years, and I think it would be a nice reward for the fans. Because, listen, the, the Hearts fans have, have stuck with the club of over the last 10 years. Through thick and thin. I mean, you, you look back in that period, two relegations, our rivals have won the Scottish Cup during that time. Uh, we've had some of the most embarrassing results in the club's history, i.e. Brora, but also our, our worst ever European result against uh, Burkakara, the, the Maltese side, they, they beat us 2-1 at Tynecastle. So, yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a fantastic achievement for the club to, listen, to get into the Europa League would be huge, but I think the, the way it will probably fall is, is we'll, will be given a, a really, really difficult tie in that playoff, I would imagine. But you never know. Um, but even just to get to the, the group stages of the Conference League and, and the ties that that will potentially open up to hearts. And, and there's no reason why we shouldn't fancy ourselves, potentially if we are able to play at Tynecastle in these games, to, to get a few famous famous results. Yeah, well, listen, we'll touch on some of the potential opposition in, in, a, in a wee second and, and get your thoughts on how you feel that maybe this Hearts team, with, with all the caveats put in place, could could do. But the other mm-hmm. side, I think, of European uh, qualification, either for the Europa League, if you get through a playoff tie, or by dropping into the Conference League, is the, the money that obviously it would bring into the club. Now, gate receipts, obviously, you would have guaranteed four games at home, uh, you would have obviously a share of the TV revenue and uh, the way that's worked out is pretty complicated, but I'm sure someone with more experience than that can, can fire us out some information. But you've also got the qualification money for getting to the group stages and that's somewhere in the region of 3 million euros to 3.5 million euros, depending on which, uh, which competition you fall into. So I think I heard you and the guys talking about this on the, the latest Hearts Review podcast, will you talk about the opportunity of hearts, and I guess the same would be for any club, but it is in your lap at the moment to kind of use that money, use that income, and and properly put a stamp on becoming Scotland's third team. How big would the finances be for the club? Yeah, it'd be massive. I think we've obviously the foundation hearts pumping a fair amount of money every month, and 
we have various benefactors and things like that. But the, the the club's not in a position where it can go and spend, you know, three, four, five million pound every kind of transfer window, unfortunately. At least what that does is it bridges the gap and, and it means that we can pull away from the teams below us, um, i.e. your Hibs, Aberdeen, Dundee United, these sort of teams who would fancy themselves to, to challenge for that third place, Motherwell as well. Because getting into Europe, I think, I mean, you've got your standard budgets, haven't you? And um, we're fortunate enough, like I say, with the Foundation Arts and the size of club hearts are, the fan base it has, that it'll always have a little bit more money than some of the clubs below them. It's just natural. It's likewise the, the old firm as well. You know, the, the revenue that they're able to generate, they're always going to be uh, have an advantage over the, the clubs below them. So for, from a hearts point of view, getting into these competitions and making sure that we reinvest that type of money properly is huge. But what it does as well, when you're in for players... And what it allows Hearts to do is when they are in for certain players, they've then got the carrot of group stage European football to offer to these players and say, well, you know, there's an opportunity for you to come to this football club. You might only be here for a couple of years, but if you come in and do really, really well, you'll then it then gives you a platform to sell yourself to bigger clubs, whether it's down England or, or in Europe, because, you know, scouts will watch these games, particularly if Hearts do well and they, and they pull out a couple of results, automatically people will start looking towards the players that Hearts have and I think it's huge uh, we were we were in for a couple of Japanese players in, in January there we couldn't get them over the line but I would expect Hearts to go back in and, and look into that market like Celtic have had pretty good success with, with the players that they've went and signed we've signed a couple of players from Australia they've done really well so that right away is showing that Hearts have already broadened their horizons when it comes to, to looking for players on all sort, sort of four corners of the globe and Having that opportunity, i.e. with more money and the carrot of saying, well, we can give you European football is is massive. And again, I think it, it takes hearts clear of the chasing pack almost. So it's absolutely massive and, and it gives us a platform to go from strength to strength and hopefully get to a stage where we can narrow the gap on the old firm and we can get to them within, you know, five, ten points. And I think that's that's going to be the aim and continue to try and win trophies and, and, and go clear as sort of Scotland's third force. But it's easier said than done because Hibs are, are an ambitious club and Aberdeen are as well. Uh, you've got Dundee United as well. So all these clubs will be looking at, looking at the same. And I think if all goes well, we're, we're giving ourselves a little bit of a head start in the race for that. But it's certainly positive for the whole of Scottish football, I think, to, to have a strong hearts in Europe, not just from ourselves, but I think the fact that if we can get Scottish clubs competing and, and doing well in Europe again, it's huge for the league. Yeah, of course. So just turning attention then, so as we say, you know, all caveats aside, not jinxing anything, but if Hearts were to claim that Europa League playoff spot, um, clearly there's a summer transfer window to go. You're not sure exactly of, of how the, the squad would look come August time. And obviously as well, we have to point out that leagues and, and cups across Europe are still in play. So we don't know the exact nature of who Hearts could face. What I can tell you is that uh, the way that the, the draw works in the playoff round for the Europa League is that Hearts would find themselves placed in the priority group one section of the draw, which means they would face a team either from Priority Group 4 or Priority Group 3. And where these teams come from are dropouts from the Champions League qualifiers. So you could potentially be looking at facing teams currently as a league stand across Europe, the likes of Benavaros, got Maribor, Bratislava. From Cyprus, you could have Apoel or Apollon. You've got Austria-Vienna, Austria, Austria Vienna, you've got Konyaspor from Turkey, 
possibly Mittyland coming in there from Denmark via the Danish Cup. So there's a there's a, a kind of wealth of teams that you could see in there, and that's obviously assuming that seeds progress and bigger teams aren't knocked out of the, the Champions League qualifiers. Is there any names in there that you think Hearts are completely incapable of beating, or, or do you think the standard of team that you could face in the Europa League playoff would give Hearts a very decent chance of actually making it into the, the Europa League groups rather than dropping down into the conference? Well, you you just never know, do you? Uh, and I think it depends on where these teams are themselves. You, you read some of the, the names out and you automatically think, well, it's not one of the you know the, the, the big, big clubs of Europe. And you think, well, wh- why can't we beat any of these sides? But then they turn up and they teach you a football and lesson. And, and we've seen that all before. But Listen, if, if Hearts invest right, I mean, they'll keep the, the majority of their squad together. John Souter obviously moving on, so they'll, they'll need to try and find a new centre-half. But I would expect Hearts to add even more quality in the summer and, and hopefully that um, we can go into these kind of games, providing we get there, um, with a real positivity. And, you know, Tynecastle under the lights, who knows? You know, we, we could get a, a famous result. You've seen what Rangers and Celtic have, have done over the years when they've been at home and how they've used that to their advantage, particularly Rangers uh, over the last few years. I mean, they've been having that intimidating atmosphere with them, been a huge part of how they've been able to, to do that. If Hearts can go to, to wherever they, they, they play, have a good game plan. And, and listen, you only need to look at St. Johnston as well and how unlucky they were. They went of to Galatasaray and, and, and drew 1-1 over there, and I thought they were they were terribly unlucky. And then even the, the side that they played in the Conference League as well, I think they got a draw over there, didn't they? And um, I think they just they just fell short at McDermott. And so it shows you that Scottish clubs can can actually compete with these sides. And I think whoever Hearts play, they, they, they should go into it with, not treat it as a free hit, but certainly not look upon it as, as how maybe Scottish clubs would have five, ten years ago with, with absolute dread. And Because a Scottish club's record in Europe, certainly between, I mean, you're probably talking about between 2010 and until maybe... Celtic go back into the Champions League. I think that was round about, what, 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, it was terrible. And, and we were getting beat left, right and centre off, off clubs, off teams with the greatest respect that we probably should have been knocking out. And yeah. um, I think now Scottish football, certainly the standards is a lot better. Rangers getting to the quarterfinals, I, I would actually fancy them to get to the semis. Um, so I think it's good for Scottish football. And if Hearts can go in there and get themselves into Europa League, it would be fantastic. And even if one of the, the clubs who qualify for the Conference League could get themselves beyond that, it would be incredible. But I think just for us to even be in the Conference League group stages would, would be fantastic for Scottish football. And if we can compete and, and show no fear and play a brand of decent football that, that gives us an opportunity to get results, then it would be it, it'd be fantastic. So we, we shouldn't fear it. I think that the fans will look, look forward to it regardless of who we play. And we've been starved of European trips, so Hearts will take huge numbers wherever they go. Yeah, and I think you touched on that just to end our, our chat there as a very good point. And it's one thing that picked up when I spoke with Milos last week on, on episode one of the podcast, Milos from uh, Serbian footy, is nations like ours, nations like Scotland, like Serbia, like Greece and Denmark, and even any other countries that kind of fall in around that. Austria are a perfect example this season with the, the fantastic season they've had, all five clubs making it through. We, we do need, Scotland needs a third team participating, in, and whether that's Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, whoever it may be, it's something that I think just looking at this as, as holistically and looking at it neutrally as well, we need to maintain our position in the top 10 
of the nations in Europe. We do need a third team in there. Uh, we know that the third team from Scotland this season, uh, either for the cup winner or the third place, will have that that guaranteed group stage football in the Conference League. And, and I think it's a real opportunity to just cement Scotland's place as a, as a football nation and, and build on the success that the Rangers and, and Celtic have been having. So whether that's Hearts, and I'm sure you'll be hoping it will be, Gordon, whether it's anybody else, I think collectively together as, as, a, as a footballing nation and fans of teams across Scotland, that's what we need to be aiming for. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I remember even last summer there when St Johnston were playing their, their European games, I was really hoping that they would have got through because it would have been huge for, for, for a, a side. And every time Aberdeen have been competing as well, I was always egging them on to get into the group stages, even though, like I say, everything that... that that Europe offers hearts in terms of, of going further ahead of, of our rivals, even though it would do that for, for Aberdeen, I still wanted them to get to the group stages and do well. I'm not going to lie and say that I wanted Tibbs to get into the group stages, because <laughs> I certainly didn't. Um, but everyone else that, that's competed in Europe, I always hope that they, they do well. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I think it would be huge for Scottish football, as I say, and even if it isn't just hearts, if, if another side can, can get themselves in there as well, I think it would be great for for Scottish football in general and the national team's doing well now as well. So I think we've we've shot ourselves in the foot for a long time in, in Scotland and it's kind of left us playing catch-up for, for a long time. And we've got some fabulous football clubs up here and I think people forget that and we're quick enough to, to put ourselves down. But you look at the two Edinburgh clubs, even the Dundee clubs, Aberdeen as well, you know, f- fantastic football clubs who are all... Uh, well, well supported, and uh, I, I remember the stat. I, I don't know if it's still top of top of the stats that that we are the most kind of well supported football nation in terms of our population. Yeah, um, yeah. We're we're football mad up here, and and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll see our football up here, uh, whether it be national level and obviously club level. Hopefully, it'll continue to rise. Agreed. Well, listen, Gordon, thank you very much for speaking. Wish you all the best, of course. We'll see how the semi-final pans out and and obviously uh, in the league as well. But yeah, thanks very much for speaking to us, Gordon. Obviously from the Hearts Review on Twitter, it's at the Hearts Review. The podcast, of course, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other places as well. So go check that out if you want to hear more. Thanks very much. Okay, so focusing on just another aspect then of European football, and I guess how it impacts here in Scotland, it is the Champions League draw. Regular listeners, regular followers, and people who are clued up on these kind of things will know what is important is that Scotland's champions, whoever they be this season, whether it be Rangers or Celtic, Celtic obviously currently with the upper hand in that tussle, three points clear at the top of the league, going into the Old Firm game after the international break, Whoever it is that wins the Scottish Premiership this season, they need this season's Champions League winner to also qualify for Europe via their domestic league. If that happens, that means that there's a space vacated for the winners of the nation-ranked 11th, the winners of their league, to enter the Champions League group stages automatically. So that is Scotland, and therefore that would be either Rangers or Celtic. So looking at the Champions League draw, what's really important for Scotland is that the two clubs who are currently not in a place 
to qualify automatically for the next season's Champions League via their domestic league. That's Villarreal and Benfica both were kept apart in the draw. So the fact that Benfica and Villarreal have been kept apart is good because it means that in theory they could both lose their quarterfinal ties. Now, we know that that doesn't always happen. Upsets can happen. Teams can progress. So let's not say for certain that it's guaranteed that both those clubs are going to go out. That leads us to a slightly trickier position where the winner of the Benfica versus Liverpool tie will play the winner of the Villarreal versus Bayern Munich tie. So it means in theory there is an outside chance, a possibility, that we could have a semi-final of Villarreal versus Benfica, which means one of those teams would be guaranteed into the final, and when you get to a Champions League final, anything can happen. Now, why that's worrying is because both Benfica and Villarreal, they're probably, if we're honest about it, well outside Champions League qualification spots in their leagues. They're not. They're probably not going to make it into one of those automatic qualification spots. Of the other six teams, they're all pretty much, I would say, guaranteed to stay within their respective qualification spots. You've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, all pretty comfortable in the top four in England. You've got Bayern Munich sitting very comfortably at the top of the Bundesliga and Real and Atletico, obviously real top of La Liga, Atletico sitting in third, I believe, at the moment probably likely to still stay in that top four. So of all the other teams, we shouldn't have to worry too much about it. Really, from Scotland's point of view, what we need is a Liverpool victory and a Bayern Munich victory. And obviously that happening means that all of the semi-finalists would be guaranteed Champions League qualifications via their league. And it means that the door is open for Rangers or Celtic to win the Scottish Premiership first and foremost and then gain Champions League qualification next season. You shouldn't need me to tell you why that's important and obviously fans of both clubs will relish the opportunity. From a Scotland's coefficient point of view, it's a massive thing because it gives Scotland a team directly into the group stages and earns the bonus points that come with that. So there's four bonus points earned for Champions League group stage qualification, regardless of how you get there. That four points would be divided by five teams, five teams from Scotland, giving Scotland and our coefficient 0.8 points added to our 2022-2023 total before a ball is kicked. So regardless of any of our results in the qualifiers, regardless of our results in the group stages, we have start the season with 0.8 points onto our tally already. Now that is massive because, again, as I've mentioned already on the podcast and in Twitter threads, it's about maintaining our position. Now that we've made it to ninth spot and we're in the top 10, we have an automatic Champions League group spot starting from season 23-24. It's about maintaining our place there. And that extra bonus points earned just helps us along the way. For context, what we need to consider is that the teams round about is the teams also in the top 10 and on obviously 11th place and challenging. That's Netherlands, Russia, Belgium, Austria. They're all guaranteed one team automatically in the Champions League group stages next season. So they're already going to earn that 0.8 points. We need to be matching them. So from that point of view, everyone keep your fingers and toes crossed and hope that Benfica go out, that Villarreal also go out. Okay, lastly, I mentioned at the start of the show that I might take a wee look at the league split, and the reason for this really is on Twitter I posted a wee picture just simply of the Scottish Premiership as it currently stands. 
Obviously, both the old firms sitting first and second, and they've got their own battle of their own going on. Hearts sitting quite comfortably, as we spoke about with Gordon already, in third spot. St Johnston and Dundee, unfortunately, a little bit adrift of the pack at the bottom, and obviously one of those clubs will go down automatically, the other will go into the relegation playoff. But from fourth place, Dundee United, down to tenth place, Aberdeen, there is a gap of four points. Four points. I basically posted that picture just really to illustrate, first and foremost, how competitive a league we've got, how exciting it is. But what happened on the back of that is a lot of people, and maybe some of you are listening who replied, maybe some of you are not, basically kind of took it as a as an example of, of how bad the split is. And, um, and that's fine, you're entitled to that view, you're entitled to that position. I know that the split in the Scottish Premiership invokes a lot of debate, invokes a lot of strong opinions on one side or the other, and there's certainly quite a lot of historical ill-feeling towards the split and that's absolutely fair enough it's the case what I really just wanted to pick up out out on is a couple of things I think one your attitude to the split probably depends on which team you support okay Um, and and, and I guess that influences how you feel your team have been treated by the split over the years I think also it's important to look at the split yes you can look at it this season okay and you can say that this season it's incredibly tight and why therefore should in the next two games Aberdeen or Motherwell or Ross County or St Murn be denied the opportunity to continue to challenge for European football because, you know, the split would cut them off. They couldn't get any higher than seventh. I think for all the seasons that that's been the case, you can equally argue that there's been seasons where at the split, at game 33, the gap between sixth place and seventh place has been pretty large and, and I'll pull out a couple of seasons just off the last 10 years to illustrate that. In 1819, there was a six point gap Again, there was a six-point gap in 17-18. There was another six-point gap in 16-17. So that's three seasons in a row where between seventh place and sixth place, there was a six-point gap. Now, you might say, okay, six points, that's two wins, you know, in the last five games. Who knows what could happen? But if you look at season 13-14, and I realise I'm going back quite a while here, right? But I guess the whole point of statistical analysis is that you look at a wide range of data. Now, I'm not pretending here that I have done professional statistical analysis on this. I've not looked at every single season that the split's been in. I've not looked at all the ins and outs of those seasons, because obviously you've got some seasons where COVID impacted. You've obviously got other seasons where Rangers went in the Premier League, and, and, and I know that people will say that doesn't matter, but of course it's a you know, a, a massive club who historically other teams would have lost against, which are now no longer there. So, you know, all of these things need to be taken into account. But coming back to 13-14, between 7th place and 6th place, there was a 14-point gap. So I guess really I want to just highlight that for everything that's going on this season, and, and certainly there have been other seasons where it's been close, there have been other seasons where it's not been at all. It's not been close at all. And if you don't have that split, you know, you, you, you end up with massive amounts of dead games that mean nothing in the, in, in, the, in the middle of the league. And that's always been the argument, hasn't it? The split is there to keep meaning, whether it be challenging for Europe or whether it be avoiding relegation. One thing that I just wanted to highlight, and this is just, again, from a coefficient point of view, really, in thinking about which clubs go forward from Scotland to represent us in Europe. One thing that I really just wanted to highlight and consider is that there are other leagues out there that do things slightly different. You've got Belgium, for example, and you've got Netherlands, for example, where you've got playoffs for the European spots. So not just simply that whoever finishes third, fourth, fifth, whatever it might be, earns that spot. You have teams from a range of positions, so say fourth down to seventh, that then go into a postseason playoff and compete for a European spot. Now, 
obviously I realise that that adds games into the calendar, okay? Everything has a drawback. There's no perfect silver bullet here that solves all the problems. But what I think is interesting, and one thing that maybe I personally, just speaking personally, would consider and would like to see, is that we keep the split, we keep the league structure the way it is, but post-split, 7th place would go into a playoff versus 4th place for that remaining Europa Conference League spot. Or you could even widen it, you could even say that 7th goes into a playoff versus 4th and 5th, and the League Cup winner put some emphasis and some prestige back into winning the League Cup, give that an opportunity to get into Europe. There's options there, and there's, there's ways and different formats that you could structure that. And again, I realise there's pros and cons for each of them. But I just feel that like if we're going to have that conversation, we're going to have that discussion, then give seventh place a meaning. You know, don't make it a meaningless thing. Obviously, there's you know revenue to be earned the higher up the league you finish. Of course, I get that. But put something in there. That's just a suggestion, just a wee thought off the top of my head. Just came out of that, that Twitter thread that, uh, that, uh, that happened up on Twitter. Anyway, that is me for this week's episode. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I have gratefully taken on board feedback that's been received from episode one. And again, the same goes for episode two. Any feedback that you have, please let me know by getting in touch on Twitter. It's at Scotland's Co F1. Scotland's Co E F F1. Gratefully receive any feedback that you might have and ideas for future shows. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, take care.